This is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Reading from chapter 18, starting in verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two others among you. That every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I. Among them, the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. I invite you to be seated. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this, this day that you've given to us. But most of all, we give you thanks for the sending of your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And the pouring out of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we do, Holy Spirit, ask you please, come bring revelation to us. Open the eyes of our heart, open our ears to hear, open, open us to you. Let us hear the sound of the trumpet. And let us behold Jesus, Lord in his glory. To you we give all thanks, all praise, all honor. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. So if you've got Bibles, I'd like you to go to um, Ezekiel chapter 33 with me, which is where we'll start. Um, as you can see, we have got to a bit show and tell here. Um, we do show and tell all the time in our world. We do water, we do bread, we do wine, today we do books. I want you to see the books. The, um, the, the, the sound of Ezekiel 33 is his calling. Um, you find opening of Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 17, Son of man, I have appointed you as a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. And that's what we're seeing here again repeated in 33. He's calling the watchman to stand. Now, a, a watchman visually is somebody who stands on the city wall and is always watching. 24-7, watchmen are always there to see if danger is coming. And if they see danger coming, they blow the trumpet and warn the people. See it, blow, warn. In some ways, it's the message here. There is danger Here's what to do. Get safe. This is not difficult. Let me tell you how not difficult it is. My dad and my sister and I were um, overseas and in a restaurant on the top, store, top, top of a department store. And as we were having meal together, an officer came in, stood in the middle, and said, Bomb. Escalator get safe. 
this did not take rocket science to figure out or discern what was happening in the moment. When you hear that your life is in danger, it's like this gift of adrenaline just pours into your body. You don't say, no, I'm going to finish my meal. You don't grab your purse. You don't grab your coat. You just don't care. And the dear young old woman who's in front of you, you just plow through. You just are a blessing to be with. You're, there's a violence that's created when our life is in danger. Something has happened. We have got to know what to do. Get the escalator. And we've got to get to safety. And that's why there's a holy violence that's created inside of us to get well. Agree? So understand when Jesus, our Lord, talked about John the Baptist, he said in Matthew eleven twelve, he said, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence because the violent are taking it by force. There were people who felt suddenly that the kingdom of God was going to come. There was danger. They were not right with God. They needed to know what to do. They needed to get safe. And so they came to John. John called them to repent, to come, to be baptized, and to get safe and prepare for Messiah to come. The movement. Can you see the movement of the message? And in it, it creates a violence. I've got to get right with God now. Now, I, I say all that by saying, in this text, we're doing fine for the six verses. It's the seventh verse that gets us in trouble. Um, as long as the danger is outside, this is, we're all concerned. But listen to what happens in verse 7. Now, as for you, son of man, I have appointed you as a watchman for the house of Israel, so you will hear a message from my mouth and give them a warning from me. Verse 8, when I say to the wicked... Suddenly, the danger isn't outside of us. The danger's us. The danger is that we're not right. The danger is we're living in sin. The danger is that judgment is coming and we're not right with God. There's something to do. You need to get safe. Everybody wants to hear about danger outside of us. But the moment we start hearing somebody talk about sin, blah, 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 we tune out. This is why the prophets are always mistreated. This is why the sound, you cannot hear the sound. You are not well. Do something. Something is wrong. You've got to do something. I want you safe. Suddenly that sound is gone from us. If you start talking about me, you are meddling with me. And so Jesus, our Lord, shows us this as he weeps over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The city that stones the prophets and kills those who have been sent to her. We have always mistreated the prophets. If you read at the end of Ezekiel 33, you're going to hear, they love to hear him, but they would never do what he says. Because it's just too personal. People don't want to hear it. And so Ezekiel and most of the prophets were isolated people. They were isolated people. But I'm telling you, they had inside of them the sound of a trumpet. And so they blew, and they blew. It didn't matter. They kept blowing the trumpet. Something is wrong. A day is coming. You've got to hear what to do. You've got to get safe. Now, I say all that by saying, where are our trumpeters today? Does that bother you? 
we live in such a comfortable culture. People don't want to hear the sound of a trumpet, so we don't give it to them. This is why so many preachers are no longer preaching scripture. Because people don't want to hear it. This is why many preachers just entertain the people. Because we want to be entertained. Where's the sound of the trumpet? Is it past? Have you ever heard of it? Have you ever heard the sound? Have you ever had inside of you a holy violence? I've got to get in. I don't care about the things of this world or of me. I've got to make sure. Has there ever been that creation inside of you? See, sometimes I think our culture is much like the guy in Luke chapter 12 that Jesus talks about who's got so much that basically what he does is build bigger barns and he fills them and he says to himself, eat, drink, be merry for let's have fun and enjoy. Today's a good day. And the Lord speaks to him that day and said, you fool, today your soul is required of you. See, this is the thing. All of us know it, but we don't want to say it. There is a day of judgment coming. We're going to need to give account for our lives. All of us. That day is coming. You can put it aside. You can self-medicate. You can do anything you want with whatever you're feeling. But there is a day coming. And we have heard our forebears say this, tell us this forever. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Did you hear that? We can say it, but did you get it? He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. That's what he's going to do. This is very important. Jesus taught us this in John 5, 22, 23. He said, the Father judges no one. He's given all judgment to the Son so that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. All judgment has been given to the Son. So consequently, you hear when Jesus describes of his return, he said, the Son of Man is going to come, Matthew 16, 27, the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father and his angels. He's going to come in the glory of his Father. He's going to come with his angels and will then repay every person according to his deeds. Um, we see it again in Matthew 25. The Son of Man is going to come in His glory with all the angels. He is going to sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered. He will separate the sheep and the goats. The sheep will go into eternal life, eternal glory, and the goats will go into eternal punishment. There's coming a day of judgment. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. All of us. So let me just make this clear. We know three things, three things about that day very clearly. It is going to happen. It's going to be an historical day. Inasmuch as day one was an historical day, last day is an historical day. It will be in the calendar. There won't be any calendar after that. <laughs> but it's going to be an historical day. Just, just in case you don't believe it, go back to the Old Testament and see how all of the fulfillment of saying a baby was going to come and a baby came on a day. Well, that baby also 
historically went to the cross of Calvary, and he rose. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he is literally coming back on a day to come, and he's going to sit on his glorious throne. It's going to be a glorious day. It's going to be him, and guess what? Listen to this. This is hard to understand. I don't understand it myself, but this is it. You are going to be there. All of us are going to be there. Every person ever born is going to be there. How do I know that? Because, because the scriptures teach us that. Acts 24, 15 is called the resurrection of the just and the unjust. The resurrection of the righteous and the wicked. Jesus said it this way in John 5, 28, 29. He said, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tomb shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life. Those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. All people everywhere. What's amazing is um, Job saw this. Job knew he was going to die and after that he was going to see his Redeemer. I know that my Redeemer lives and at the last he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed down into the dust... Yet from my flesh I shall see God. He knew that day was coming, but for him, he couldn't wait for it. There's a day coming and all of us are going to be there. Um, let me see if I can grab the third part. One, it's an historical day. Two, you're going to be there. And three, I want to give you a description of it. Um, I'm reading from Daniel chapter 7. There's two places. Are you interested? Are you with me? There are two times in, in, in Scripture that we actually see detail. And I'm reading from Daniel 7. I want to read all of 13, 14 because I love it so much. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, honor, and kingdom, so that all peoples, nations, and populations of all languages might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And there you see in verse 9, I kept looking until thrones were set up. The Ancient of Days took his seat, his garment as white as snow, the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A fire, a river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were serving him. Myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court convened and the books were opened. It says the same thing in Revelation 20 and verse 12, verse 11, 12. I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Have you ever wondered what those books were? Do you mind if we talk about them? Because you're going to see them. Not only are you going to see them, you are in them. This is book three, book of danger. This is book two, this is the most sacred. This is book one, this is the most coveted, most cherished. One, two. Somebody open your Bible who's got courage to read it um, to Colossians 2, verses 1 through 
verse 13 and 14. I may, I may call on you in a minute, but Colossians 2, 13 and 14 describes this book, number three, the book of danger. <clears throat> As you're going there, I'm just going to finish Revelation 20, 12. It says, the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. This book of danger is cited in Colossians 2, 14 as a record of debt or a certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us. Let me put it in, in, in normative language. Everything we've ever done, everything we've ever said, and everything we ever thought is written in the books of heaven. Everything. Did you get that? This is like standing before the judge and everything we've ever done is recorded. Our sins are recorded before God. Our sins. The certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which is hostile to us, it's in this book. This book has got our name. On the day of judgment, this is the book will be opened about us. Does that concern you? Does it move you? See, see, the thing is, is this. This is where we talk about the God of justice. I promise you we'll get sometime this afternoon, we'll get to the God of mercy. <laughs> but, but, but I need to say this, is that all of us believe in justice. All of us. If you've been oppressed or afflicted in any way, you know what it's like to demand justice. If somebody came bursting into your house, you call. There's right and there's wrong. Something's got to be done when wrong is done. The Bible says it this way, he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. You shall receive the punishment of things done. This means we're in trouble. If anybody's not in trouble with this book, see me, at, no, CT afterwards. <laughs> with this book, the, the problem we have with this book is that um, some people can say, oh, I don't really believe it. But the bottom line is, all of us deal with guilt. All of us. All of us know what we've done wrong in life. We all know what we've done wrong. We actually know when we're doing wrong that we're doing wrong. Did you, did you know that? God has put a little beeper inside called a conscience. And unless we smother it or drink it to death or self-medicate it, it tells us when we're doing wrong. All of us know it, and so all of us try to fix it. This is our default button. We try to fix it. We've got to fix this. So I've got all this wrong. I've got to fix this. I've got to fix this before the judge. I've got to fix this. So what we do to fix it is... We do the best we can in life. Did you know all the good I've done? We continue to justify our existence by trying to prove to everybody we are accepted by all our good works, by all the good things we've done. Do you know who I am? Do you know what I do for a living? Do you know how much money I have? Do you know the awards I've got? Do you know who I know? Trying to find out a way, just to, just to find a way to, be, to justify my existence in the world. I've got to do something good to balance out, to make my feel, myself feel accepted and worthy. 
And that's why the scale of justice is the scale of justice. And most people come on this side and go, see all the good works I've done. If you don't believe me, go to your funeral, which you might not be able to do. But what do we do at funerals? This person was extraordinary. He did all kinds of wonderful things. Never spoke a bad word. I've never understood that line. We boast in our obituaries. We boast in what we do. Because we're trying to write it. This, this goes back to the very beginning of time when Cain and Abel came before God and the Lord said, I'm going to tell you that you're all in trouble, but I've got a way forward so that you can be safe. And so Abel did what the Lord said. He knew he was in trouble. Abel, by faith, did what the Lord said and he was rescued. Cain said, actually, no, I'm going to bring the best of me. I'm going to bring the best of my labors. That will prove to you I can balance this. I'm worthy to get into heaven. And he doesn't yet know the story. And the story is this. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We learned this in, 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 in 101 mem Bible memory. It was one of the first verses. The wages of sin is death. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We learned this. Why did we learn this? Because this book gets us in trouble. We have to face the facts. Not, nothing we can do. There's no good work that we can do that will satisfy God. Do you believe that? It's hard to convince because it dominates our thinking. If I just do well in life, I can justify my existence and I will get into heaven by what I've done. And not face the fact. As it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, verse 21, so clearly, no one will be declared right, to be declared righteous by the works of the law, by doing what's good. You've got to hear the sound of the trumpet isn't just about danger. There is a second book. This is the, this is, this is the book, this is the book I love. If this is the book that's got all of our deeds, what do you think this book is? This book is going to help us to be able to get safe. This is going to tell us what to do. What book is this? What book tells us what to do? The, the Bible. Thank you, Beth Patrick. The Bible. This is, this is the holy ground because the Bible is summed up as Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. There is nothing like the cross of Christ. Why? Because it comes to rescue us here. What does that mean? It means Paul summed up the gospel in the end of Romans 3 using three huge words that you might not like or get or understand right off, but they're simple words. Redemption, propitiation, justification. Big words. Redemption is not a big word. Redemption is an economic term. It means to come to those who are bound in slavery and pay the cost to set them free. That's all it is. The redemption... This is why it says, in Jesus, in Ephesians 1, 7, it says, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. He, he has, this is why the Lord even spoke to Cain, do what's right. It's why in every generation, he has sent the trumpeters. You're in trouble. I've given you choice. You can stay here and die in your sins on the day of judgment. But I'm telling you, good news, you don't have to. And more important, 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us the Lord's heart. He would that none would perish. 
He would that none of us would perish. It's not his heart. So he keeps sending messengers and messengers and messengers. You're in trouble. Bomb. Do something. Get safe. This is not difficult. And what is the cost to get us free? It's called propitiation. What that means is that Jesus himself took our sin upon himself and paid what was due us. Isaiah 53 says it this way. The punishment that brought us peace, that punishment was upon Jesus. This is what he came to do for us. Peter says it this way. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Did somebody have Colossians 2, 13 and 14? Did somebody have that? Stand up and read it, just loud, real loud. I don't either. Uh, maybe I do. Uh, two, Colossians 2, 13 and 14, real loud. And hear it from the back. Did you hear it? I didn't hear one hallelujah. Can I, can I just tell you what he just, read, just said? On the day of judgment, we're going to turn to your page. It's not going to be there. It's not going to be there. He took the record of debt it's over here. He nailed it to the cross in his body. You're not here. You're here in Jesus. And he has paid it all to set you free. You are made right. You are justified as a gift. Not by your works. It's a gift of grace. It's for you. It's called mercy, mercy, love. Would you just choose Jesus and say, Lord, I want this gift. This is the nature of it. It, it moves here. This is why what we say so clearly, we, we trumpet the sound, by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, that nobody should boast. But you've got to say, Jesus, Lord, I want you in my life. I put all things aside. You've got to be able to say, Lord, it's not me. It's, it's a humbling of the soul to repent of our sin, to turn from our sin. And say, Lord Jesus, I want, to, I want to receive you into my life. To be declared righteous in your eyes because of what you've done, not what I've done. That's the wholeness of the gospel. That's why what the Lord has done is he sent out trumpeters. Called, called ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were entreating through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God who made Jesus no, no, who made Jesus sin on our behalf that we might be declared righteous in his sight and safe. This is why we beg people to come to Christ. 
This is why you blow the trumpet. My friends, there's no reason for you to die in your sins. Get awake. Know what's going on. Know the danger. But look what the Lord has done in sending the beloved Son to be with us. And the free gift He wants to give you if you'd open your heart, repent of your sin, and receive Christ in your life. And when that happens, we arrive at book one. Anybody know what book one is? This is the most prized. This is the most cherished. This is the one, T chose one with all kinds of pictures of people in them. You, you, it's, called, it's called in Revelation 20, verse 12. Listen, it's right there. I, chapter 20, verse 11. I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it. I saw the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne. Books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. In chapter 21, verse 10, John is carried away in the Holy Spirit to a great mountain, a high mountain, show the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Verse 27, in that city, nothing unclean, no one who ever practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. These are the ones who are going to be in the New Jerusalem, those whose names are written here in the Lamb's book of life. It isn't just the Redeemer's book of life, the Savior's book of life, the Alpha, the Omega, He's all of those things, but it's the Lamb who paid for us to be able to free us from danger so as to put our name in the Lamb's book of life. My friends, if this has moved you in any way, you've got to make sure you're here. This is why it's the most coveted book, the most prized book. Is your name written in the book of life? But I can't, I can't not read the negative, or I wouldn't be a good trumpeter at all. The negative is hard to hear. Many of you might not be able to hear it. It's found in chapter 20 again. You'll find in verse 10, the most extraordinary verse, finally, in verse 10, that the devil who deceived us is thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, tormented day and night forever and ever in the lake of fire. In verse 12, we're to be judged by the, by the deeds that we have done. In verse 14, death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, they are thrown into the lake of fire. If you have chosen to stay here in your pride and self-centeredness and refuse to come at his gracious invitation, then you die in your sins. This is why the Lord just bleeds. I've given you my beloved son. He's gone to Calvary. He's paid it all. Just put your faith in Jesus. Turn your life over to Christ. Stop vying and competitive with, with all of your friends and being accepted in this life. Our reputations and our treasures will burn in the fire. It's not going to last. What lasts is this. Nothing of our possessions, nothing of our money. Our names will be wiped out in a generation. But this remains. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So the Apostle Paul said, you want me to boast? I'll boast. You want me to boast in all my accomplishments? You want me to boast in all that I've done? You made a boast in the, in the amazing person I am? Let me tell you how I'll boast. Galatians 6.14. God forbid I should boast. 
Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Save in the cross. Save in the precious cross. His mercy that's come for me. It's come to rescue me. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus, for putting my name in the book of life. It's just him. The beauty of him that matters. And on our last day, he's all that matters. This is why the trumpeter of my day was Billy Graham. And always, as we came to book three, I think I've asked Deb to do this, you'd hear a song played, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood shed for me, and thou bidst me to come, Lamb of God, I come. Lamb of you're not sure if you're in the book of life, confess him today. Come forward. Let T pray for you. Let there be a holy violence in you that nothing matters but this. Just him. Just him. Just the gift he's given. Thanks be to God for giving us the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be all glory, all praise, all Give yourself to Jesus. Let's stand together.
praise you, Father. We praise you, Lord, for the book of life. And Lord, we only come through our confession that we admit our sin, our brokenness, the bomb. But Lord, you, you and your love have ripped a page of death and destruction out of the book of death. You've taken it upon yourself, upon the cross of Calvary, because you love us. And you not want one person to perish, that we might be found in the eternal book of life in your presence all that we can do Lord is just come and bow before you in honor and in glory you've taken the shame of life you've given us the gift of life Pray, Lord, that you bless all those who have made a witness of their love for you as they come. And all of us, Lord, that in our struggles and in our pride, even where we are, Lord, we, we come in humility. We bow and cast our crowns before you. And we receive your love. As we receive you. Thank you, Lord. We pray in the powerful and life-giving name of our Lord and our Savior. The name above all names. The name of Jesus. 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 Thank you.